0: Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God.
1: This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest.
0: Your hermitage of the heart.
1: Your monastery of the mind, where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw on the wisdom of the saints, the wisdom of the church, and today, the wisdom of a man who has a very unusual role in the church and that he gets to hang out with possessed people and exorcists. Does that okay. sound strange? Okay, so we're happy. Like that. That's it's such, not,
0: such, such a strange intro. Um, <laughs> We are so very happy to welcome back Adam Bly. He is a paratus, which means an expert on religious demonology and exorcism for the Diocese of Pittsburgh. He's an auxiliary member of the International Association of Exorcists in Rome. He has been helping to teach priests exorcism for over 15 years, both, both nationally and internationally in, re- in recent years. The ex, uh let's see, he has written a number of books that treat on the topic of exorcism and deliverance, including uh, The Exorcism Files, True Stories of Demonic Possession, which we'll be talking about today, as well as his 2021 book on The Catholic Guide to Miracles. So welcome back, Adam Bly. We're happy to have you.
2: Oh, thank you for having me back. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah.
1: And just for folks, if you want to get the book uh, as you're listening, Exorcism Files, EWTN's religious catalog always is a safe place to get any book that you want. Um, SpiritualDirection.com is also there uh, in the uh, purchase or shop area, so it's well worth reading. Adam Bly, his name is spelled B-L-A-I. Adam, thanks for thanks for being back with us today. I wanted to focus, as a follow-up to our previous show, a little more on the practical or the uh, w- what would be the more common entryways into problematic uh, encounters with demons, that sort of thing. And the one I I wanted to begin with is your story on Reiki. And if you could tell our listeners a little bit about that, I want to talk about Reiki and yoga, those two together, because obviously they're in that same story.
2: Sure. So, um, Reiki is a system of supposed energy healing that came out of Japan. And it's kind of proposed in the West and to Westerners as kind of a generic, vaguely prayerful um, healing process where you kind of wave your hands over the person and intend to heal them and you know, maybe follow whatever uh, instincts or feelings you, you might be creating in your own mind while that's going on in terms of you know, kind of a false discernment. And then promises that you'll be able to actually heal people. Now, if it were that simple, you might say, well, okay, that's misguided and a little bit odd, which certainly, which is what the USCCB concluded in their paper on their study on Reiki, which people can go Google that later. Just Google USCCB and Reiki. But it gets a little deeper than that. And that is, in order to be initiated as a Reiki master, you have to make an act of the will and ask to be connected to the Reiki spirit. You then have to have a Reiki master do a ceremony over you where they anoint your palms with uh, oil. Uh, And this is not, you know, holy oil from, from the Catholic Church. This is, I don't know what type of oil, but they feel a need to anoint your palms with oil, with occult symbols, usually kanji from the Japanese language related to Reiki and draw symbols over your head, lay hands on you, and then impart the Reiki spirit. Now in the West, they only talk about the first three levels of it, which you can do in one weekend if you pay the money to become a Reiki master. But in Japan, there are higher levels of it that get more occult and sound more similar to witchcraft in terms of the phenomenon such as astral projection.
0: You know, what's t- the first thing that strikes me about what you just shared, which I had no idea about, is that it sounds like a demonic form of uh anointing for the priesthood. No, it's I'm like nervous. an yeah, it's it's like an upside down. I mean, it the mockery of it is it, just striking.
2: Yeah. Um and people can go later again and go on YouTube and and type in Reiki initiation and they can see various versions of this ceremony going on. Uh, It looks very much either like a ordination or um, kind of a combination of an ordination along with maybe the anointing of the sick or something like that. But yes, many, many pagan systems look eerily similar to um, Catholic sacraments, it's just they're, they're kind of a, an inverted or a corrupted version of them.
1: Yeah, knowing the demonic, they, they like to mock and, and replicate in some way uh, as a mockery, um, uh, which makes perfect sense. So tell us the story of this uh, possession that occurred, or this encounter with demons because of uh, Reiki.
2: Yeah, so this was a case where a person had been involved in Reiki for about 20 years, they were, you know, doing it a lot. They were teaching it. They were promoting it online. They had a large online community <laughs> where people shared information and encouragement to each other about this stuff. Um, and while they were promoting it, uh, there was no reason for these spirits to punish them and make them feel distressed because they were basically promoting the cancer to be spread to other people. So, you know, the evil spirit happy with that and has no reason to show its nasty nature. After, after about 20 years of this, I guess they had decided they had gotten enough use out of the car and they were ready to trade it in. And so they turned on the person and started afflicting them in various really unpleasant ways. And they came to the church for prayer kind of confused about why they were in so much distress. And as we were doing the diagnostic prayers, um, you know, they started manifesting and it was clear that it was basically a very heavy oppression. It wasn't full blown possession yet, excuse me, but um, there was a lot of manifestation. And so they did a number of prayer sessions. We did a number of renunciations. Um, where they would renounce these various practices. They pulled down all of their Reiki-related material, uh, told their friends that they were sorry they had made a mistake and pleased to stop doing these things. And as they had kind of disconnected from that world and received prayer, things calmed down. Um, And actually, part of what was helpful to them was the unbound system, um, which was an adjunct to the prayers they were getting at the diocese here.
1: That makes sense. So, what there's a pattern here that I think I've heard repeated in other situations, where the demonic will give the person who's co- who unknowingly is cooperating with the demonic will give them some sort of benefit uh, for a period, and then you 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 said it well. Once they're done with them or perceive some you know uh, more strategic target or whatever, you know, whatever they, the basis of their decisions are, then they just proceed to wreck the person.
2: Yeah, because through those 20 years, the person had given over so much to the demon in form in the form of inviting relationship and subservience. And so they knew the Reiki spirit was what was supposedly doing the healing. And by the way, demons cannot heal. Uh, only God can heal because healing is a creative act. So what a demon does, it either masks the pain uh, if it has dominion over that person or it causes an affliction and then withdraws the affliction that it's causing to cause a sham of healing. Right. But there is there is no actual healing by them.
1: I think I, m- I mentioned to you at our first show that we did that the the, the most popular post on our website historically is, how is uh, when people search how to give their soul to the devil. And we have a post, of course, dissuading people from doing that. But I think that this, you know, you can also look at stories of people who had, there there's some kind of, uh, oh, rumor that they had given their soul to the devil. And you watch their career rise dramatically and then have absolutely tragic ends to their lives. And what people don't realize is that, <laughs> The, the enemy is is way more powerful than you are and when you uh, when you go messing in these these with these kinds of relationships you think you're gonna get some sort of benefit they will spit you up and chew you uh, you know chew you up and spit you out is whenever they desire it whenever it's you know advantageous yeah whenever it's
0: convenient and they've've they've finished up their um, their benefit from it and I I, I don't know I I tend to, you know the Lord is in all things. You know His permissive will allows things, and I I have to think that the enemy is forced to reveal Himself because the Lord's on His way. Mm-hmm. And for so. me, that's the way I I see it. Because otherwise, they would just continue to gather more and more souls for destruction. But at some point, they're forced to show their hand. And and once you know where the enemy is, you 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 have. You can go forward to receive the healing that you need through the church, which the exorcism right never fails. Yeah.
1: As long and, as you stay in the fight. As long know. as
0: you stay in the fight and you pursue and you pursue the Lord with all that you are, you know, you're going to get free. So I want to think of it as God's mercy that he allows that demon to be revealed so that that person then has the opportunity to turn back and and get out of the situation. So Does. God be praised for, you know, when you know where the enemy is, you can take him out.
1: Uh, thoughts on that, Adam?
2: Yeah, so that's exactly true. Um, Exorcism—you can think of it as a last-ditch effort that God is making when the person's about to walk off a cliff, and God doesn't want them to stay in that relationship with the demon that's going to ultimately bring true death. You know, meaning spiritual death. Um, And so he forces the demon to show its hand in some cases so that the person wakes up to what they're doing and turns back to God before it's too late. Um, You know, There's mystery in this and it can be hard for people to wrap their mind around, but the demon needs permission for everything that it does. They can't even lift a finger without permission. And it's not that Jesus wants people to be hurt by these creatures. He allows them to tempt us basically 24 seven And that's part of life. And that's part of the spiritual struggle that makes us stronger. So there's a good fruit that comes from that, especially when we resist temptation. Uh, But we also learn when we fall, as long as we repent. And this extraordinary activity that the church treats with exorcism is basically um, a way for God to let the person kind of burn their hand on the stove and realize the stove is hot and dangerous. You shouldn't touch it. And so it's kind of a wake-up call for people when God allows this extraordinary stuff, because God really doesn't want people to be lost. Right. You know, it, it's not that he's uh, sadistic and wants people to be hurting. He wants you to realize that you've taken the monster by the hand. You, you know, you may think it's something friendly, but he wants you to see it for what it is.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, right. well said. So we've got to go to a break. When we come back, uh, Adam, I want to talk a little bit about yoga. I've had some very interesting experiences with people who practice yoga and uh, check out the exorcism files uh, for our audience true stories of demonic possession you can get it at spiritualdirection.com shop and we'll be right back
3: Discover more and apply today at avila-institute.org.
1: This is Dan Stephanie Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio. We're with Adam Bly. Uh, really enjoy Adam. I don't know. He seems like he's got a subtle sense of humor, very intelligent and insightful, and the Lord has drawn him into a very strange uh, life, so to speak, of um, helping people get free of of demonic possession uh, forming priests and helping folks to understand how to deal with it and so he's written a handful of books all of them worth reading the latest one exorcism files we've i've really enjoyed because it's very concise very practical uh not uh, complicated or overly sensational just right down to the point uh, you can find it at spiritualdirection.com shop or EW10's religious catalog. So, I want to shift to yoga. I'll tell you my experience with yoga. One, you know, we have a good friend who uh, had to go to an exorcist because of their practice in yoga. So, there is absolutely no doubt. And this is not, I don't mean a good friend as in a distant person I'm calling a good friend, but I mean someone close to us, uh, very, very devout and had to, um, uh, had some uh, real difficulty with, with the spiritual side of yoga. But people really, I think, take this very lightly. And they think, oh, it's just stretching, you know. And for me, uh, there are a couple of ways to look at it. One, I see it as like a gateway spirituality. People have heard of gateway drugs where you start using, you know, marijuana. And then it's going to lead to, it naturally disposes you to do harder and harder substances. Not everybody, but uh, for certain personality types. To me, yoga feels like a gateway spirituality where if it doesn't get you in the practice and i mean even one of the uh yogic institutes who studies uh scientifically in quotes the effects of yoga boasts that a huge percentage of people no matter what their religious background is when they get involved in yoga and experience the physiological benefits of it they get interested in non-Christian spirituality. So talk to us a little bit about yoga and the danger dangers, I guess, particularly Kundalini yoga, which you talk about in your book.
2: Sure, so first off, we need to remember that yoga is part of the Hindu spiritual life. It's part of the religious life for not all Hindus, but, but many, and that these are worship postures for various deities within Hinduism. And normally, depending on which version of Hinduism, there's variations on this, but you essentially assume the worship posture of some quote unquote God, and then you intone that God's name over and over on your breath, which some people call a mantra, uh, and you're basically inviting or asking for some communion with or interaction with with this supposed God. It also is designed to bring about unusual spiritual experiences. And and by unusual, uh, I mean what they call Kriyas, which in the case of Kundalini Yoga is involuntary jerks and movements of the body and animal-like vocalizations the person can't control. Um, That's part of it. But there's also internal strange states, uh, inability to sleep, other things that go on that uh, there's many videos about Kundalini awakening, that's with a K. So in the West, kind of similar to Reiki, in the West, it's packaged as just an exercise, but with a little bit of Eastern mysticism and mystique about it to maybe make it sell better. Uh, But the problem is people almost inevitably, sooner or later, get into the spiritual and energy manipulation side of yoga. You know, they do it for a while. Maybe a guest teacher comes in and does a mantra this time, or now they have you focus on projecting your energy in some way. And people started basically inevitably going a little bit deeper into it. Now, <clears throat> kundalini yoga, which is kind of a, it's a branch of it. It's not all, all yoga, but the goal here, and it's very popular and it's increasing in popularity. It's been around since the 70s or the 60s. The goal is to awaken the spirit of a serpent that supposedly resides at the base of the spine in every human being. And by doing the Kundalini exercises, you awaken the serpent. And then over time, it moves up your spine until it reaches the top of your head, which is considered the crown chakra in their system. And when it reaches there, the sign that you've achieved this great spiritual milestone are those Kriyas that I mentioned. now you can see a lot of disturbing documentaries on YouTube about Kundalini awakenings, including footage from India where uh, more traditional Hindu masters, by touch and imparting the spirit, cause people to fall on the ground, screaming and writhing, uh, barking or growling, um, contorting various things that are that are regarded as a good sign. So that's kind of the deep end of the pole of yoga the shallow end of the pole again is is as you said dan very much a gateway drug it gives you a vague sense of spirituality maybe a vague sense of we, tingly weird well-being a little beyond the physical exercise that entices you to go deeper and deeper in the pool as kind of a footnote to all this um you know when i joined the international association of exorcists i was you have to be invited to join you, you you can't petition to join it. Um, There was a priest there, Father Rufus Peraria. He's passed on now, but he was from uh, Bombay or now Mumbai, India uh, from a Catholic kind of enclave there. And he had been casting Hindu gods out of people that would strike yoga poses since the seventies. Wow. He had a tremendous experience with this. So he spoke very strongly against yoga, Um, because he had had such a deep and wide experience with the demonic spirits that would then strike yoga poses as a a display of power or confidence during the exorcisms. Of course, they always lost because they're just demons. But um, so, yes, this is this is a potentially dangerous area, particularly because it's that gateway into getting into energy manipulation and other esoteric practices.
1: You know, as an alternative, thankfully, uh, you don't need. I'm I'm not a fan of uh, Christian yoga or C- Christianized yoga. Just because it's why, why mess with, why get anywhere near that stuff. But there are uh, Soul Core is a is a Catholic um, stretching program where you pray the rosary while you're stretching. It's really beautiful. You don't, and, yeah. and
0: they don't do anything related to yoga. No. They're very specific about making sure that none of the similar poses are used and I'll tell you what you you cannot be a sissy and get through soul core. Yeah, yeah. So if you're thinking it's not going to be tough, it will it will just kick yeah. your rear end. So.
1: Another one is Pietra Fitness um, which is and and with soul core is just I mean the never even practice yoga the the designers. Mm-hmm. Pietra Fitness is another one where it's just, you know, stretching they teach Catholic meditation. We've actually helped them with their program and evaluated their program, both of them actually. But um, yeah, I mean, what's fascinating when we ever talk, we talk about yoga is we get the most violent or um, energetic reactions. You know, this show will probably end up with a lot of people in the chat, just, you know, getting very, very upset, which is a great indicator of the of the demonic nature of the thing uh, because it it gives you a kind of false peace What's interesting about non-christian eastern spirituality and also centering prayer is another one is i've had a person yell at me i've been practicing you know centering prayer for 20 years and i'm a catholic you know and it's and it. you want to just say i mean your heart it's i'm being a little funny but your heart breaks for them because they don't even realize do you not see how easily undone you are by just mentioning this look 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 under the covers of why this is happening to you
0: yeah yeah i've actually watched somebody who practiced yoga um just really come apart just really i i think they had a mental breakdown yeah and it it was a terrible thing to watch and i believe that it came through the yoga um, well and there's
1: even been clinical studies in psychology from secular psychologists a book called the buddha pill that uh reviews Cases of uh, meditation, non-Christian Eastern meditation, where people end up uh, totally undone, and I don't think they they would entertain uh, the idea of possession. I think we might look at the cases and and recognize patterns that uh, are beyond what you know modern science would accept.
0: Certainly, heavy oppressions. So. Yeah.
1: So the last one I want to run through with you, Adam, is the be careful who you sleep with. That was a fascinating case. I actually laughed out loud when I read it. Not, I mean, I'm sad. I was sad for the person, but I loved this line um, that the demon said, "Would you get us out of here?" This person, pr- this woman, prays too much. I can't remember exactly what, what, uh, what uh, exactly what they said, but tell us about that case.
2: You know, the the general thing there is, human sexuality is something given to us by God that is supposed to be. Within the sacramental container of marriage and we know scripturally two people become one when there's a sexual union and the way i've seen that play out in many, many cases, in addition to what's in the book is that once somebody has intercourse, particularly with with somebody who's involved in black magic, it usually is witchcraft or or Wicca, if you wanna call it Wicca. Um, There's a bridge or a connection formed Mm. that later when the relationship ends or goes south, that person then has the ability to have a curse actually affect the person. And this is a real curse. And of course, a curse is just asking a demon to go hurt somebody in some way. There's no actual magic in human beings that they can wiggle their fingers and make somebody get a bellyache or something. Um, You you have to recruit these spirits and, and hope that they do you some favor. Well, sexuality is one of the ways that that favor can get some traction and the demon can actually affect you because you have consented to share spiritually and become one with the person when you have sex with them. And if that person has demonic spirits, if they're involved in the occult or witchcraft, you have consented to be under the dominion of whatever spirits that person is in relationship with. And I've seen this play out many, many times. Mm. Um, And and yes, sometimes the lower rank demons, if somebody is particularly pious and is fighting very hard and is very prayerful, will complain to the exorcist and say, they actually want to be cast out these are the lower level ones the higher level ones will just still fight to destroy the person but the lower level ones they experience so much pain from the person being so devout and praying that they'll actually ask to be cast out crazy. Uh, in order to get away from that person
1: crazy well yeah. we're out of time and i wish we had we had uh, i wish i wish we could just spend hours with you and, and go over every portion of the book but uh, you have work to do in the tribunal and, and, and all your other good work. We're grateful that you come back uh, with us again, Adam. And for all the good work you're doing, folks, check out The Exorcism Files, True Stories of Demonic Possession, hosted by Sophia Institute Press at spiritualdirection.com shop. And with that,
0: we're out of here. Until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.